One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there and welcome to The Gong Show. My name's Steph Postuma. Today I'm joined by Simon Evans and we speak with the founder and owner of 400 Grady, Johnny DeFrancesco. 400 Grady is a Neapolitan-style pizzeria and Italian restaurant. It started in Brunswick in Melbourne and now has about 17 venues worldwide. Johnny has venues in Kuwait and Bahrain. He's got one in Auckland. There's one in Texas and one aboard a P&O cruise ship. And he's also got a big venue at Crown in Melbourne, as well as a venue in the Yarra Valley, one in Adelaide and a bunch of other venues around Australia. And one of the notable things about 400 Grady and Johnny's work is its rate of growth in the last five years. Growth is something that seems to be a logical next step for a lot of restaurateurs and small business owners, yet there's probably a lot that's not really understood about what opening another venue means. Johnny gives us an insight into how he approached growing his business and how he stuck to tradition and passions and how he kept quality across all his venues while in a big period of growth. It was fantastic talking to Johnny. We thank him so much for coming up from Melbourne to have a conversation with us. We got a lot out of it and really enjoyed chatting with him and we hope you do too. So let's do it. All right, welcome to the podcast for another episode number 21. My name's Steph Postuma. With me, as always, Simon Evans from Caveau Restaurant. Hello. And a very, very special guest today, our first interstate guest on the podcast, Johnny DeFrancesco from 400 Grady. Welcome. How are you going, guys? <laughs> thanks so much for coming up to Wollongong and joining us. Um, we're going to start off with an acknowledgement of country. We'd like to acknowledge the Wadi Wadi people of the Darawal Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land of the Illawarra, and pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Now, Johnny, I mean, there's so much to talk about, and I think we've only got a relatively limited amount of time because you're going to get on a flight back to Melbourne soon. But um, <laughs> let's just get straight into it. Uh, Let's start by talking a little bit about 400 Grady. Let's start with, tell us about all the businesses you have now, because you seem to be expanding so quickly that it's hard for, it's hard for even us to know where, yeah. where, where you're at currently. So where, where does 400 Grady sit at the moment? Um, look, 400 Grady at the moment, we're obviously, you know, predominantly Melbourne. Yep. That's where most of our sites are. We've um, also expanded um, overseas. Yep. Um, 
interstate, our first interstate store, which was only about four months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're in we're in the Middle East. We're doing a few more there. We've got um, one one unit in in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, doing another one before the end of the year. Um, going into Dallas, Texas, in the US, and Pino Cruises. We, we're doing one more in two thousand twenty. So you know, the the whole brand has expanded in the last you know five years mm. from one one unit in Brunswick where it all began. Little forty-eight seater restaurant today sits about 250, 260 um, uh, seats. Mm. Um, but the expansion was never really my intentions to expand that much. Mm. Um, I actually didn't want to do more than one. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. it was just sort of a thing that organically grew, and I think that's where a lot of people um, sort of go wrong when, when they when they have restaurants. Um, that they they believe they're they're able to uh, multiply them. Mm. Uh, multiplying a restaurant is not because you're a great chef or you're a great. It's got nothing to do with being a chef. It's got it? nothing it's, to do with that. Completely different skill yeah. set. So you know, I mean, yeah, I, I I know to cook and and I'm a pretty good cook and yes, I know to make an amazing pizza and stuff like that. But that is in in an expansion world. That's about twenty percent of your business. Mm. Um, what kind of pushed this, you said, like in the last five years? Was there someone coming on board or someone, something happening or just something you thought? What was, there, was there a cause of this kind of rapid expansion? Yeah. You know, my, my story actually starts prior to 400 Gradi. I mean, I had, I had seven um, little pizzerias. You know, I started my business when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so expanding for me was sort of a natural um, growth. It wasn't something that I had to try and push myself to understand. I made all the mistakes already. Right. So okay. I understood That's interesting. Uh, opening multiple units. At 23, I had seven sites. Yeah. And, you know, and I made thousands of mistakes. It wasn't, mm. you know, it wasn't something that uh, happened and it went all amazing. You know, first mm. 10 years of being in business, uh, I lost money. We, you know, I recall my wife and I, counting, you know, and I say this story all the time, counting 10 cent pieces off the uh, kitchen table to buy milk for my uh, first child, which was my daughter. So, you know, all the mistakes were made and all the, un- and all the understanding of what it, um, what it meant to or what it took to actually expand, I built that foundation in the first 10 years of business. Mm. So even though there was no money being made, um, where where I was winning was my education. Mm. I was paying, those losses for me is like I paid mm. for my education. Mm. So were you, were you confident in this when you kind of maybe found that this new model was working? Were you confident in expanding or was it just fucking scary because you'd already done <laughs> like, no, it first? Well, the first model was working. The, the problem was is that I actually didn't understand or know how to sort of, you know, break up the difference between cooking yeah and running the business yeah and i learned that over the 10 years yeah yeah. um so so then when i decided to expand 400 gradi i already understood what it meant to pull myself out of the kitchen yeah yeah um which is a hard thing for any chef which is extremely difficult to do because you know you're you're putting your trust into other people but you know then everything sort of falls into place when you understand systems and Mm. procedures and you know and still trying to keep the the business as a family run business. I mean, we run every single unit as its own um, restaurant. 
Mm. Okay. So keep still keeping it as that family environment because last thing we want to do is corporatize. As mm. soon as you corporatize re- a, a restaurant or anything in hospitality, it goes to shit. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely a like even what you'd imagine corporate people would want to make from a business that's not a restaurant. Correct. It's a completely different kind of breakdown of finances. So it's got to be something you do do for love. Hundred percent. Even if you, you know you're still in the game making money. Hundred percent. I and I've seen it happen numerous of times i've seen people you know get bought out by you know groups that are uh, you know acquisitions and stuff mm. like that and then you find that you know six seven eight months later the whole business model starts to change because oh, yeah. you don't have that family environment anymore or, or really the the fundamentals of why that business was first started mm. So my my fundamentals are still the same today as they were ten years ago. Yeah. They have never changed. You see that every level as well, even like Rockpool. Mm. Like the way there's their the amount of restaurants they've closed and reopened and rebranded over yeah. the last two years is pretty it's pretty crazy. Mm. Like it really feels like that that is in a in a kind of fast change of a process. I think it's at every level. Yeah. If that if that if that corporate comes in. Yeah, look again, that just comes down to the fact that people are uh looking at their business as a, a as the monetary value mm. rather than uh, the reason why they started it. Yeah. Um, so we've been able to still maintain and 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 withhold that that you know that first initial why we opened this business mm. and um, you know and that's filtered across every single unit that we have. Yeah. How do you how do you think that manifests like in you know each location? Like how does that how does that sort of starting point and integrity to why you originally started the business sort of how do you educate a customer at each new location that that's why you're there and that's the, those values you continue to hold? Yeah, the first, the first and foremost fundamental is that the people that are leading the business have to actually buy into and believe the reason why you started the business. Mm. So you know, when we when we hire a manager, we never talk to them, we never give them KPIs, we never all that stuff is left to last. The first yeah. thing that we ever talk about is. The philosophy, you know, the the reason behind, you know, the business and and sort of all that sort of stuff. Rather than, you know, a lot of people interview managers and they want to know, you know, how were they, you know, how much experience do they have behind running a business, mm. as in back end, mm, KPIs, yeah. performance, targets, all that crap, right? Mm. Um, and they are important because obviously you need to be able to maintain a business yeah. to a profitable level or else you're not going to have a but business. I mean, you, you want your like your, your front of house manager to be running a front of house, uh, not, yeah. not worrying about the other stuff. Yeah, they need to, they need to be, they're the drivers, um, you know, and, and it filters down. So mm. they're, they're the people that need to really believe in what you're doing. Yeah. You know, how do you find that to keep in? Because obviously, you want to have it's, it's still one brand. It's still got to have consistency across mm. the brand. And when you're treating it, every restaurant like its individual thing, how do you find it's keeping the consistency across? So obviously, you want to have you know, the same pizza there, 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 and yeah. there. But when you've got different teams with kind of maybe different dynamics and different people, how do you keep that consistency yeah. across the the venues? You know, especially then, when it's interstate and, and yeah, worldwide. Yeah, that that again. Now, now we're talking about something different completely different to what we already started talking about that becomes the procedure side of the business mm-hmm. um, the systems yeah so you need to have very very strong systems and procedures in place before you even think about ever expanding so what a lot of people and where a lot of people go wrong is let's say you know you've got this beautiful restaurant here it's running smooth you're here every day it's amazing 
and you want to go and do a second one mm -hmm. because you think, hey, I'm listening. we're doing great. <laughs> we're going to do a second one and it's going to be the same. Then what happens is when you go into your second business, and I always say to people, one to two is the hardest. Right? Yeah. One to two is, is always the hardest because what happens is owners or chefs or, you know, investors, what they believe is that once you go from one unit to two units, you're going to make double the money. Yeah, if, yeah. Even if they are identically doing the same amount of turnover, people believe they're going to make double the money they are. Yeah. It's, it's incorrect. Because what happens is once you start going or once you go into your second unit, you're no longer in the first unit. So you need now need to be replaced. Mm -hmm. Now, to replace you, you're going to have to get someone at your level or better. Yeah. Not worse, right? Yeah, your true. level or better. Now, to get someone at your level or better, you're going to have to pay big money, mm -hmm. right? Because the value that you put on yourself, well, then you need to put on that person as well. Yeah. I would never say, oh, yeah, I'm going to replace myself, but I'm going to get someone that I can pay a little bit less. It doesn't work that way, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So whatever you're paying yourself, you're either going to go to that level or a little bit more. Yeah. Or also have an incentive. Once you've done that, then you go into the second unit and you start trying to run this business if your first unit hasn't already been set up for expansion you're in deep shit mm -hmm. because what happens is people have their own thoughts about how they run a kitchen how they run a floor how they run a business so they start to put their own yeah spin on you it. know spin yeah, on yeah. what's going on then what happens the business starts to lose its integrity mm -hmm. integrity in sense of quality because you know you know chefs. Yeah. Right? We know chefs. <laughs> chefs always believe they do something better than the next person, <laughs> which is fine. But it's not fine when they're doing it in someone else's business. Yeah, if they're doing it in their business, no problem. Do whatever yeah. you want. So you need to set it up that these people are following exactly what it is that you want. Now, that's recipe cards. That's, you know, procedures, ordering, the whole lot, yeah, right? Yeah. The whole system around the business. Once you've got that, then you can go into a second unit. You're mm. Going into that yeah, second unit, you need to have all that things in place. You first. need to have all that in place, and I think especially at like, especially at kind of certain level of kitchen systems that kind of follow the window, especially small kitchens. Like we're we're pretty good with that, but definitely we could always, you know, get better at having better systems in place for things like that. But it, when it's a small kitchen, you kind of you can get by, especially when there's owners there. You can do it, and you can you can make it work because you are the system. Yeah, just what, so one, you, one thing you, you yourself are the system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you're not able to put that system into the Bible, yeah. I call it, then people are not able to follow what it is that you actually want them to deliver. Yeah. A lot of chefs go wrong because they believe that oh, you should know. Well, mm. you know what? I don't know because <laughs> I actually don't know how you want me to do it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to do it my way, and then people get upset because they say, "Oh, but." You shouldn't be doing it that way. You should be doing it this way. Mm. Okay, well, and and I have a saying within my business. If something doesn't go right and not the way that I believe it should and I don't have a system it's always of, tough, yeah. or a procedure in place, then it's my fault. Mm. Yeah. I'm not blaming the restaurant manager or the operations manager or yeah. the GM or whatever. I'm blaming me. There's always a way to have something in place to make sure it doesn't happen. You just didn't foresee it. And that Correct, happens all the time. Right? So you've, you know... You need the procedure needs see that see that little switch on on the wall with yeah. that plug. There's got to be a procedure on how to put that plug into that or that 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 socket yeah. right and turn it on and off. There has to be a written procedure mm. because if we all three of us got up now and 
took it out, put it in, and switched it on. I guarantee we do it in different sequences. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it sounds automated, but it's not so much about being automated to make it mechanical. It's about keeping it within the realm of what you believe your business on how it should be run. Mm. The rest of it, when I say they should run it, have their own personality, I believe that's true. Yeah. But as long as they have a guide, the personality should be the individual person. Mm. You know, we have a sequence of service, but we we give that as a guide to, you know, our floor staff. Yeah. But I, I don't want it to be mechanical mm. when you go to the table. I still want you to give your personality to the people. Mm. But they still need to understand the sequences so they don't, they don't forget a step. Yeah. So they know what to do. So do you find you, you naturally attract good staff for these roles or is it something you have to put a lot of mo- little kind of time and money into to get in these right hires to, to know, run these new places? Let's be honest. Because staff, like, especially down here, staff, staffing is, is staff, tough. Staff is the, the most difficult part. Mm. Yeah. You know, but I believe if you do have a good training um regime yeah. within your business then you're you're going to be fine mm-hmm. um you know some people are going to get it really fast some people are going to take it a little bit longer you know i get some managers will say to me oh you know johnny we've got a lot of uh working holidays right which we can only keep them for six months yeah yeah okay and say so by the time yeah. we train them you know or what happens is they come in raw we train them they become good two weeks later next door offers them 10 cents more an hour so they go there yeah that's fine and they said to me, what do you mean that's fine? That that pisses me off. Well, it shouldn't piss you off because if you train them well and you treat them well and while they're in your business, they're doing exactly what it is that you want them to do, mm. then it's regardless if they're there for a month or the whole six months, you want to train them to do everything perfect. Now, if they get up and leave and they go somewhere else, well, then guess what? You can then say, I've now contributed to this industry and given somebody. Yeah, someone who's well-trained. Well, that's well-trained, mm. right? Rather than saying, oh, I'm not going to spend too much time with this person because you know what? They're going to leave in six months. Yeah, yeah. Wrong. Yeah. I think that is, yeah. It Train is, them so. to be the best. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think we see that across a lot of, you know, successful venues. And it's something that um, Joel talked about from Aria the other day was that they do have a lot of working holiday people in there. And it's mm. just about getting them getting to the place in the kitchen where they they can learn and then they can, and they can become proficient at what they're doing. And then during their short period of time there, they're killing it. Yeah. And, then the, and then it's time to go and you I mean, get someone else. And it's fine, one. right? Yeah. Because yeah, at the end of the day, that, they've killed it for you. Mm. Mm. So they're actually doing a great thing for you yeah. in the business. And you, can, you, can, and you can have that rotation of staff as long as you've got those key members mm. that are held down. Like I think if, like if, the, if, the, if the systems are in place and the, the kind of backbone of the staff are in place, and people can come in and leave and they're going to be there for a month, six months, whatever it is, and it's still, you keep the consistency. Correct. So all we always find is because we've got some really good established staff, even though there is a natural turnover to it. People you know, finishing uni, going to uni, moving away, doing seasons, whatever they're doing, We've always got that backbone there. So when someone comes in, they can just slot in really easily. Again, whether they're here for a month, two months, we're going to keep training as it is. So you can only do that with that kind of backbone of staff. Mm. Make them the best. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that, um, you know, your obviously it came from that 10 years experience that you're talking about of how to, of how to train people, how to put procedures in place. Um, do you think that that, the rate of expansion that you've undergone in the last four years is basically directly attributed to your ability to 
to have those systems running well before you started expanding? Definitely. Like before we went from, you know, one to two units, I already had systems in place. Okay. Um, you know, I was running, um, you know, Brunswick with a full package system, really. Mm. You know, it, from day one. Mm. From day one, you know, recipe cards were important for me straight away because, you know, you get chefs that come, chefs that, you know, leave. Um, and the consistency for me is really important. You know, I always say this to people, and this is a crazy, right? What's the most consistent, um, massive chain in the world that you know? Maccas. Maccas, right? <laughs> I now, love watching Maccas sometimes. Remember then, well, everything's just fucking moving, yeah, and people just like, well, boom, boom, boom. Well, you know, it's people say, impressive. oh, but you don't want to be a McDonald's. It's not about being a McDonald's. I'm not saying you need to be a McDonald's. What I'm saying is that McDonald's, has a perfect system in place now and they've proven that because no matter which part of the world you go to yeah. you know that that shitty burger is going to be that shitty burger it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter right yeah. you yeah. know what to expect yeah exactly so if you have a system in place and you know you're giving amazing quality well then people that go to one place will then travel and see your uh, restaurant somewhere else yeah they're going to go in and, and they're going to expect the same quality. yeah 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 so that's why the systems are really important yeah I think there's actually like People scoff at it's just like like things like RSLs. People are going to scoff at them, but I bet you they've got better systems in place, tighter contracts in place, better kind of you know work pay kind of things in in that business in the local RSL than most restaurants because they have to. Yeah, possibly. and 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 yeah, there's always something to learn. Like saying from, from McDonald's from these bigger places, yeah, because they do things at a completely different level to, to you know, a small restaurant wherever it may be. Mm. Do you think that? Um, and this is, I'll start talking about the food that you do a little bit. Um, do you think that the nature of the traditional Neapolitan style pizza that you guys make and the ingredients that that means that you, you guys utilize makes it easier to employ these sorts of systems because there's, there's guidelines in place of the, the, the type of ingredients that you use and those sorts of things? So again, you know, that comes down to that. That is a system in itself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, we're not going to just buy whatever's cheap on the market. Yeah. We're actually going to buy specific products that we want to use to make Neapolitan pizza. Mm. You know, the flour is important. Uh, so do you, use the, like, do you use the same flour at all your venues? All, all around the world, yeah. And it's all Italian? Yeah. 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 So there's specific guidelines on absolutely every there are, Yeah. There are. Can, you, can you run us through them just out of interest? Well, the, the flour is um, one product that's very important. Um, the tomato yep. is the same all around the world. Yep. Uh, the oil is the same all around the world. All right. Um, the only thing that changes is the uh, mozzarella. Okay. And the reason why is because we buy local uh, mozzarella, so from Sydney actually. Yep. And when if we talk about the Middle East, um, obviously we can't export the mozzarella into the Middle East. So what we do is we, we can actually import it from Italy. Mm-hmm. So, okay. but we we buy the same quality, same grade. So we, we test it. We make sure that it's the same, um, same sort of taste, everything like that. Mm. Right? So that's really important. Um, New Zealand, really easy, really easy to um, export into uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So New Zealand, we pretty much everything's the same. Yep. Um, the US flowers the same, oils the same, tomatoes the same. Again, mozzarella is going to be local yeah. because they've got producers there, which is great. Um, so, yeah, they're the only little, little things that do change. Everything else is always the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh pasta that we make, fresh pasta, same flour all around the world. Mm-hmm. 
Is everything made in each store, or have you centralized any of the kind of preparation? Yeah, so for those things? there are a few things that are centralized in in Melbourne and yeah. for the for the Melbourne restaurants. Um, the the dough is actually centralized. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've only got and this is crazy. I've had a guy working for me for sixteen years. Yeah, wow. It's only. Um, him myself that I actually know the recipe, and, <laughs> yeah, right. and, and that was Spears. Yeah, uh, for really easy. <laughs> you got to fly on separate flights when you go places and stuff in case the plane <laughs> yeah. crashes. Yeah. Like. No, no, no. <laughs> but it, it, it's it's crazy because he actually doesn't um, work in any of the restaurants. Yeah, and none of the um, pizza chefs actually know him. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so, but it, it's just so happened bad. as a coincidence. I actually didn't plan it that way. Yeah, it yeah. just happened that you know he's. At one go. place, and and you know it gets it gets um, you know brought into the sites yeah. um, by by a driver, so it's you know it's different. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's something that is obviously that's just key to consistency, especially something important as the dough to have hundred percent and yeah the same and, across the across the board. Yeah, and like you know we if we look at um, you know South Australia because that's our interstate um, mm. store there, we've set it up um, where everything is controlled, so all controlled rooms. Proper temperatures, yeah, same mixes. Um, the only thing is that something that we've done is I've actually made my own mix of flour, mm-hmm. so it's it's okay. personalised for for our uh, restaurant mm. or our restaurants. So even though they may know the um, you know the basic ingredients that go into the into the dough, the there mixes, are yeah, yeah. there are flour based ingredients into the, into the mix where they they don't know about. Mm. Mm. Um, but everything else is controlled exactly the same, 16 degree um, temperature controlled room. So we d- we don't refrigerate any of our dough. We don't do any of that stuff yeah, um, yeah. anywhere, even in the Middle East, even though it's 50 degrees and mm. 80% humidity, same thing. Everything is controlled. Is that hard to keep the consistency in like the Middle East restaurant is the whole kitchen's temperature controlled. So you have that on the dot. Yeah, right. Because something with, with bread and dough is that it's a fucking... Yeah, it's, it's, time. Well, it's like temperature temp- and yeah, humidity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, people yeah. think it's people think it's everything else. Yeah, the yeast, you know, uh, has a, has a bit of an involvement. You know, depending on yeah. if you if you're going to use refrigeration, if you're not going to use refrigeration, if it's thirty degrees outside or if it's five degrees outside, the whole yeah. um, different timing dynamics change from that dough, right? So, but we've been able to uh, control it because we have um, specific rooms and stuff where our dough yeah, is yeah. held. Yeah, mm, amazing. Um, Let's change direction a little bit. Yeah. I want to. I need to ask about expansion into Kuwait and yeah. Bahrain because it's huge. I, I think. Like, when did you when did you open the Kuwait and Bahrain stores? So Bahrain store uh, has been running for about two years now. Okay. Kuwait will be a year. Well, actually, no, we've gone through uh, to a year. So we've um, yeah passed a year now. Our second store in Kuwait will open end of the year. Yep. Uh, we have a uh, site in Doha that will hopefully open next year. It's actually been built. It's been built for two years, but we haven't been able to open it because of some uh, <laughs> internal yeah, politics, internal politics, politics right? bureaucracy, yeah, bureaucratic to, disputes. Yeah, we haven't been able to open that one, but it, it is fully built and ready to go. And and they've said to me that it will be open next yeah, right. year. Right. Hmm. Um, so what took it? What took you to the Middle East? Um. Look, I had a really good mate of mine that um, was working in Australia and he got, um, actually a funny story, we were at a barbecue, I was at his house and, uh, and he said, oh, you know, I've had an offer from this company overseas and, 
you know, they're in hospitality and, mm. and he showed me the email and he said, what do I do? And, and he's gone off and got a beer and, and I've replied to the email saying, <laughs> thank you, I'll accept the yard. <laughs> and so he's come back, I've given him the phone, he's gone, I said, mate, you've just accepted the job. <laughs> and he said, what? So he's gone over as, as a vice president of the um, company and his job was to actually bring new concepts over to the Middle East. Right. And, and because he, he absolutely loved um, what I, you know, what we were doing and and so he, he just uh, put it on the table. Obviously, he didn't have the last say, you know, as people mm. m- um, much more uh, with more authority than him in, in the company. They saw the concept. They flew over. They wanted to actually see everything that we were doing. Went through it all and, and it just started from there, snowboard from there. Yeah. Um, from that, we ended up getting uh, contact in the US. Yeah. So we're doing the US. Yeah. From there, we got a contact. Um, so just kind of snowballs. New Zealand. And it just ones. snowballs. And, what, and you know, it, you know, obviously, if the ones in, in the Middle East were, were a flop, then it would have stopped there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, people would have said. So, imagine, so the reception has been, been good. It's obviously with a, amazing. an Australian guy opening an yeah. Italian pizza restaurant in the Middle East. It's not, not the most, it's quite a strange concept in general. Very, very strange. Even in the US, I mean, you know, Aussie guy going over to the US to mm. open up a, doing pe- yeah. a, a pizzeria. I mean, you know, that's that's pretty strange as well. But mm. it's it's been interesting the way they've actually taken it on board. You know, yeah. even a bit of the press has come out. You know, they're actually, you know, anticipating and waiting for this place to open up because they want to see what it is that we do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, I think with the States, it's interesting because the States has sort of developed its own identities around pizza with, you know, like your New York style pizza and yeah. your Chicago style pizza and those sorts of things. And, 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 and so that's what people are kind of used to and things yeah. like that. So putting this seems like the home of pizza or the home of pizza you get, the type of pizza you get outside Italy. Yes. Like it seems like also exactly. there's Italian pizza and then there's American pizza. Yeah. yeah. And they're kind of different concepts. And then, yeah. And then, but then to bring traditional Neapolitan style pizza, like Viral back <laughs> as, a, as another offering, um, it seems to sort of make sense and people looking for sort of artisanship. And, and you know, we're, we're not going to be the first people that bring Neapolitan pizza to um, US. There are heaps of, of Neapolitan mm. pizzerias that have opened up in the last, you know, maybe 10 years as well. Um, so, it's a it's a positive thing for us, you know, not going there blind and hoping that it's going to work. We yeah. already know that it's a product that is has been accepted, mm. and all we want to do is bring it at you know the same or better. Yeah, mm. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and 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 the the good thing about our concept is we're not just pizza driven. Mm. Um, if you look around, not you know even in Australia or the US, you'll either have pizzerias. Or restaurants, mm. yeah. Or you get a pizzeria and a restaurant, but they're either really good at making the pizza and sort of yeah, do the restaurant the side of it, yeah. you know, be half-assed, or the opposite way around. The restaurant part is really good, and the pizzeria is sort of yeah, that yeah. secondary, you know, for the kids or whatever. What would be your split in Australia? Fifty-fifty, really bang on. Fifty-fifty in all the sites. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, because cool. yeah, it's definitely definitely that thing of like you just like, oh, you're a pizza restaurant. I'm not going to order the pasta. I'd yeah. rather have pizza or like, yeah. oh, you're a pasta restaurant and I'm not going to order the pizza. Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, it's, it's hard to get it, that balance. It's, it's great because, you know, eight or nine years ago, I had a, a guy say to me, oh, you know, you shouldn't do the um, kitchen side of it. Just stick the pizza. Mm. I was like, 
man, you can't eat pizza every day. Mm. Well, that's the thing. It gives people the opportunity to be more regular, like at, at, at your restaurants, and go for a different offering every yeah, time. Yeah, sure, just yeah, go just when go. they feel like eating pizza. Mm. Yeah, harder to run things. Of course, harder to run, yeah. But, yeah. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, when, if you have a headache, whether it's a small headache or a big headache. You still got a headache, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah. What um, so like I mean, with this you know international expansion over the last four years, like opening all these new ventures and things like that. What's what's the experience been like for you? Because now you're like I, I can assume you're more of a business person than a chef. Like, you, and you spend more time outside the kitchen than in, and. Like, do you, do you enjoy, do you enjoy the setting up of systems, the setting up of new businesses, the, you know, looking for potential in new markets and those sorts of things? Do you enjoy being a businessman as much as you maybe once enjoyed being a chef? Is, how's that transition been? It, it's funny because I actually love both. Yep. Um, and I'll still jump in the kitchen. Okay. Um, because I miss it. Yeah. So, and, and I love it as well because I get to, um, you know, be with the team as well and, you know, and, and I'll go into the kitchen and, you know, in, in any of the kitchens that I own and, and, and I'll go in and ask the chef, what do you want me to do? Mm. Yeah, I don't yeah. actually go in there and try and direct. Yeah, nothing worse than just... It's not my, it's not my, it's like, not my position. I'm running the past yeah, my boys. And you know what I mean? It's, it's, not my, yeah, it's not my um, position. So I'll go in and say, you know, chef, what do you want me to do? And they sort of look at me strangled. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I love the creative part okay. behind the business. Um, I, I mean, I love the creative part behind the kitchen, but if you want to talk about the business side of it, I actually love seeing something develop from ground up. Yep. And we had the whole podcast that, on creativity. Yeah. And it started off, obviously, like mainly based on kitchen and food, but then it, we kind of talked about how creativity in a restaurant is everything it's your, your PR your marketing yeah. like, like the way you do service like yeah. can we think of a better way of doing you this you fit out like, your lighting your everything. everything yeah exactly everything yeah. you know and and what I've noticed is every unit that we open um, we're always tweaking something mm. because we know that we need to fix something from the, the previous one and we tweak it into the next mm. one but it's a never ending story mm. yeah. I mean there are limits that you can go to that are uh, just out of control um, and it can become a little bit sort of obsessive as well. Mm. Um, but I, I just love the creativity part. Like if I, if my perfect role for me would be just, you know, opening the units and, and seeing the difference um, in different markets mm. and just working with people and developing them. I actually love developing people. I, mm. I, I get a kick out of seeing somebody become better than I am. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's you know, a key in expansion like that. Yeah, it, it, you have to find those people. For me, it's it's. I think it's one of the most important parts. You know, mm. when I know that a, a chef or a restaurant manager um, takes off and and goes on to their next journey in their in their career, and they're achieving things that they thought they could never achieve, I know that I've contributed, even if it's something small to that person. Yeah. For me, it's a, it's it's massive. Yeah, I think that's it's always a testament to a kitchen. You can almost tell how good a kitchen, well, a kitchen is run by who's worked there and what they're doing now. Yeah, whether they, you know, they're working at a you know, two hat, three hat restaurant or whatever they've gone on down, they're managing something or they've even done a completely different thing, different side of business. Yeah. If they're achieving, it's a testament to the the philosophy you've set up and the environment you've created. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Um, how do you find? Like, how has it been for you trying to tweak and adjust? 
the business for the for the different markets and how do you go about learning what that different market might want um you, you know are you changing things sort of like on the fly after you open is is that a hard is that a hard thing i assume it's a hard thing um i i, I definitely try and research the area uh, as much as possible you know reading to the culture the background the history everything about it just understanding um you know the actual culture in itself is really important yeah then i'll go and eat at like you know 50 60 restaurants yeah right you know we, we were so in, you can eat pizza every day then is what you're saying yeah i eat everything <laughs> oh, well, i'll go to restaurants or go to um cafes bars whatever is in the area just to understand the, the yeah. demographics and what they're looking at and what they're looking for um you know for example, we're in Dallas for three days and we end up eating at about 25 restaurants yeah. in three days. We're going crazy. Mm. You know, it was morning breakfast, then it was cafes, and then it was restaurants at night. And we, we'd hop, we'd go into a restaurant. Literally, I, I would just order one dish, eat, okay, let's go. Mm. And they'd look at me like, are you crazy? And I, I don't need to sit here for five hours to yeah. understand what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just need to I need, just need to intake the vibe and, and see, you know, what the demographics are mm. and you pick up little things that are going to be really important in what it is that you want to do or what it is that you're going to um, open um, obviously places like the Middle East really easy you know cultural differences you know what not to serve because you can't serve it mm. because yeah. it's actually illegal to serve um, you know no alcohol no pork mm. all oh, that yeah, I forgot about right. that yeah yeah, you're not making your alcohol yeah. money over no, there. exactly yeah. right it's interesting you say because I, mean, I would have thought that it would have been harder with those cultural differences it was interesting you say that because they're kind of they're, 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 there. they're written there they're there, they're, 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 you're, you're not trying to adapt anything and you know mm. no no alcohol money let me tell you the dollar per head spend is nearly the same yeah right know, because they eat more mm. yeah okay right God, so, that's great, so you, mm. you'll you'll be surprised they'll come in and literally they'll order you know 20 dishes yeah and that's a mixture from you know entrees to dessert and bring out whatever's ready yeah, yeah. If the dessert's ready, they don't care. Yeah, they just want to eat it, right? Yeah. So, but that, but but that's you need to adapt to that. I mean, you can't turn around and say, "Oh no, sir, we can't give you the dessert now." I mean, yeah, man, that's that's how we eat. Like we don't care. We just want to, you know, we want to eat mm. and we want to eat well. Um, and the service service standards are fucking high, man. Mm. Like seriously, mm. you know, every kitchen is run with hassle. Yeah, I, I've I for us it was a bit of a, a shock. I mean, we run we run pretty tight kitchens, right? Over there, it had to be super tight. Mm, you know, we're talking kitchen size. If we look at a restaurant, yeah, normally normally restaurant kitchen size would be you know twenty five thirty percent of the actual total uh, yeah. venue. Over there, it can be anywhere up to about fifty fifty five percent of the total venue. Only yeah, right. because every station needs to be separate. You can't yeah, you right. can't cut meat. And fish on the same same station, even if you sanitize. There has to be a fish section. There has to be a meat section. There has right. to be. Do you have to color these sections. So every section has to be all blue. Not that crazy, but, <laughs> no. but you, you've got to designate. And you know, it's that strict that if someone, if you know, one of the they call it baladia, it's like the health department walks mm. into the restaurant and sees that you've done something wrong, they'll shut you down. Yeah. Wow. But, no questions first. Yeah. It's shut down first and then we'll ask the questions later. Yeah, and sure. literally they'll tell people, they'll get the guests and say, okay, um, you need to leave. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right? Jeez. So it's so strict, you know, hair nets, gloves, mm, long really? chef jackets, 
no short sleeves. Yeah, wow. You know, so, so it's amazing because people have different perception about, you know, Middle Eastern countries. Let yeah, me tell yeah. you, they are on another level. Yeah. I'm not joking, another yeah. level. But it's been great because we've taken a lot of what we've learned there and we've implemented into our kitchens as well, mm. right? So you learn from every region. You yeah, know, I, I don't believe that, you know, we know everything and, you know, we're doing everything 100%. I think, you know, or as soon as you start thinking that way, you're, you're done. Yeah, you know, yeah, You're sure. finished, man. You know, even as a chef, if you think that you know everything, you're finished. Yeah. You know, because you, you learn off. I, I learn off apprentices. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone's got something to bring. Yeah. Everyone's worked somewhere. And I, go, I, oh, I think that, that that's something that seems to um, roll through to a lot of places that have good practices when expanding as well is is giving giving staff the opportunity to put put themselves into the business and to and to teach people and to not not say well we're the bosses and we know the best way to do everything Very is that important. continually learning and continually allowing people the freedom to to change things if needed you know for their own location and that mm. sort of thing yeah yeah um quick pause what time is your flight out of Albion Park? Because um, I just want to make sure 240. we... 2.40. 2.40, all right. Well, it'll take us 15 minutes to get down there. Uh, and what do you reckon? You want to be there half an hour before it goes? Should be enough, yeah. Something like that? Yeah. All right, so we'll go another 10 minutes. Yeah. Do you need a break at all? No. Nah. I'm just going to use the bathroom super quick. Let me back. You guys can keep going. On the clock, mate. We're still recording. <laughs> yeah, still recording. Yeah. All right. Do we have an itinerary? We're just talking shit. Who knows? Um, what do you eat? When you're not tasting pizzas or playing or, around with it. Or Italian. Yeah. Yeah, part Japanese. Yeah, love uh, Japanese food. Love Japanese. Um, man, really anything, you know. Yeah. I, I just love food. Yeah, I think it's, it's a... There's so many chefs that don't actually like food. I, I, I find. I love food. Yeah, like, 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 I, I got into cooking because I love food. Yeah. Because I love cooking, it's all I've eaten yeah. to start with. I think it's interesting when you when you get that that difference in chefs who doing it for different reasons. I think it tells them what what people eat. Like I've, I've known chefs and every chefs and they just eat like absolute crap. No, I, <laughs> like, I you know, I just got back from Italy, yeah. as you guys know, right? Mm. And my last dinner was my, with my son because my son actually lives there. Mm. And um, and I said to him, "Where do you want to eat?" And there was a new steak place that opened, an Argentinian uh, yeah, okay. sort of steakhouse. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, all right, let's go, you know. And the actual waiter, after we ordered, he said, you know, I don't, I don't think you should order any more food. And I, <laughs> yeah. looked, at, and I looked at him and said, man, this is just our entrees. <laughs> <laughs> so we love eating just even as a, as a family unit. Like we eat, you mm. know, and and I don't know. I, it's just it's just different, man. That that's I think it's because of my, my cultural upbringing. Yeah. You know, I, I remember, you know, when my dad was around it, at the dinner table, it was – Food and and conversation. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, you know, and you'd stay at the table for for hours. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, it wasn't oh you have a quick quick dinner and and then you're off. No, you'd be there for hours. You know, mm. and we've you know brought that over to our our kids as well. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Definitely, I think something's missing in general. Really, is that a that kind of central Western mainland Europe kind of family atmosphere around food? I think in Australia we're missing that. In the UK, where I'm from originally don't have that and you can tell in the way people eat and drink yeah hear people drink separately for one that's its own thing and then just smash fast food and that's what they want people don't actually want to sit down it's starting, it's starting to happen in Australia but that kind of 
communal family, you're drinking, wines be there for the food, food's there for the wine. Yeah. And that kind of atmosphere, I think that's just something that um, if we can embrace that more here. Look, you know, it's it's funny and, and I'm gonna say something that's that's probably a bit crazy, but South Australia and Victoria we're not far away from each other, right? Mm. And I find that in South Australia they they dine to dine. Mm. Yeah, right. You know, they love their food, they love their their, you know, drinking and their their uh, you know, their their sort of being at the table and, and you know, communicating with their friends and their family. Mm. Whereas I find in in, uh, in Melbourne people uh, dine just to eat. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Know. When it comes to the kind of agricultural part of, of South Australia where people are a bit more connected to yeah and things like that so it gives that bit more kind of sense of of what you're eating and why you're eating and everything's Mm. going to it it's quite interesting and it it is a much more laid back state as well like you know I I don't know about you guys here but I remember in in Melbourne you know the the long lunches Mm. um, you know have faded out yeah whereas in South Australia I see that the long lunches are still there Mm. you know people actually go out for lunch and they want to enjoy their lunch, mm. you know, and, and they're not rushing for that half an hour. It's my favourite. Love it. How good is it? Yeah, it's mm. the best. Right? That's the best part <laughs> yeah, of the day. It's my I, I, I actually enjoy more going out for lunch. Me too. And having a long lunch and then have, you know, have a, you know, small dinner if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Block but, off a whole day for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could eat all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, but... But yeah, so you see the difference, and I don't know. Maybe you know it's because of that uh, fast pace. You know, like even mm. even here in New South Wales, I think everyone's yeah. you know on edge. People you know, moving. A lot of, we're moving. We're yeah. moving. We're always doing something, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas in whereas in SA, you know, people are laid back, and and I love it. Mm. I, I actually love going over there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just different. Yeah. Mm. Cool. And we're not far away, man. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um. Johnny, we're going to ask you one more thing because we're going to get you out of here. Yep. Um, what's next? What do you like? I mean, you four years is a ridiculously short amount of time to open the number of locations in the places that you have. Yeah. Um, do you have a do you have a do you have a, a vision for where you'll be in another five years or or, or ten years or is there somewhere where you some something that you're aiming to? Um, I, look. If I was to say I have a business plan in place where I want to have X amount of restaurants around the world, I don't. No. I don't. I actually don't plan that far ahead. Okay. Um, I I know it sounds like we've expanded really quickly in, in you know four or five years, but I'm a very patient person. Mm-hmm. So the expansion has been because um, it's been very organic. It hasn't been an expansion where we've pushed to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I look at at this my business as a as a marathon, not a sprint. So, I I actually don't know. I you know we, at the moment we have eleven sites. We're going to have fifteen by the end of um, the year. Mm. Will I have another fifteen in five years? I don't know. And you mm. know what? I actually don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. I don't. You know, I'm people say to me, why do you keep keep expanding? You know, it's you know. People think it's about money. It's actually not about money. To be honest with you, I don't even see the money. I don't even look at what is going in, what's going out. You know, I've got people to control that. But for me, 
every time I open up a restaurant, I am now contributing to keeping alive the tradition. Yeah. And that was the reason why I first started. And that's going to be my reason until the last restaurant that I ever opened. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's not about opening. It's not about opening for money. It's about opening to actually introduce this culture that is my dad's heritage and try and touch as many people in the world as possible to understand what Neapolitan pizza is. Mm. Whether you go to Naples or whether you're in Australia, you're able to eat this product mm. and eat it the right way, not you know, half-assed because, you know, you want to ride outside Neapolitan pizza because you want people to come in the door. You know, I'll give you an example. It pisses me off and this really fucking shits me. Uh, You know, I hate people that that say, oh, we do gluten-free pizza. (laughs) (laughs) But you're cooking in a wood fire oven and we're doing gluten-free pizza. And for me, that shows me that you're actually doing it because you want to make extra money, you know, and it says gluten-free pizza, $5 extra on the menu, right? And that just says to me that, you know, you're just trying to capture a market because you want to you want to make more money, mm. not because you're worried about the celiac. Because if you were, then you wouldn't do gluten free pizza. I have, I have eleven restaurants. I do not make one gluten free pizza in any of the restaurants because I've always said to myself, if I open up a gluten free pizzeria, it will be one hundred percent gluten free. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is where it comes back to people opening or doing things within their business for the wrong reasons. Mm. Right? Yeah, when, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's, that shits me. That, mm. that, that really, you know, if we, talk about, if we talk about, you know, killers in business, and we, we, go, we go back to people that have never owned a restaurant, never cooked in a kitchen, never, you know, the, the only thing that they know about food is because they've eaten at, you know, restaurants and, and uh, you know, and they're able to sort of start to understand or criticize, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, I don't like that. That's crazy, man. What do you mean you don't like it? That's fine if you don't like it, but it yeah. doesn't mean that the next person's not going to like exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Right? yeah people and critics drive me crazy. Critics drive me crazy, man. I swear to God. Mm. Like, you know, people come into a restaurant or, or you know, a, a critic will come into a restaurant and say, oh, um, that that pizza's no good. Well, mate, you actually don't even understand what that pizza is. <laughs> and I'll give you an example. Ten years ago, when we opened up Grady, I had a famous food critic come yeah. into the restaurant, eat their pizza, go away, write this massive article, and bag the fuck out of the, the pizza. Yeah, right. And everything that he wrote... Or he thought he was bagging. Everything that he wrote was exactly what I was trying to make people understand what the pizza was. <laughs> like you've got the details right. You got the details right, but yeah. you actually didn't understand the product yeah, and yeah. you caned me. Yeah, exactly. And what kills me is that people don't understand or, or critics should understand that, mate, you get up every morning, you've invested money, you've busted your ass. And I'm not talking about an investor. Right? If we're talking about an investor, that's one thing. I'm not talking about someone that is, you know, superannuation. They think, oh, yeah, I'm going to take my super, I'm going to go and open a, a cafe because it sounds really easy to do yeah, yeah. and I'm going to make a fortune. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, make I'm money. talking about people that have really spat blood for the industry. Mm. You know, I've been doing this since I was 12 years old. Yeah. You know, and, we're, and it's 23 years going to be this year in business. So when I'm talking about people that have really, you know, put their heart, their, their soul into what they do, and then you need someone to come underneath 
and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, cut, that's the hardest part. When, when, you when, you're, yeah, when you're when you're living it, and that, that's I've I've found that because we're expanding, you know, people say, "Oh, it's not good anymore because they're expanding." Mm, yeah. What? Where do you come up with that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you opened up another three restaurants and you were running them exactly the same as what you're doing here. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that, I think that just comes down to like, because there are so many, lots, so many examples of people opening second, third venues and it not being the same and it not being as good. But then people don't see the systems in place that we talked about. They don't see the reason like Correct. why, why you've got, you know, probably if, 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 if they did see it, then they, they might just go, okay, I can see that it's going to be the same. Mm. I go. It's but a challenge. Sometimes they don't want to see it that it's the same. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. People, people want to... Right? Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it's, uh, But I, I guarantee if I had 11 restaurants that were called 11 different names and they were tweaked a little bit different and I was doing different cuisines or different food, mm. then the, the whole problem. perception would change again. Oh, you, you're a genius. Yeah. <laughs> you're open, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's so a perception. I believe do one thing, do it really well yeah. and, and stick to the formula. Mm. You know, I mean, one day, yeah, I'd love to open up a little, you know, 50, 60 seater restaurant where no pizza and, mm. you know, maybe that's my, my end goal, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, it I just want to do something that is going to be a bit more refined, mm. if you want to call it that and, you know, and see where it takes me. But I think I'm just enjoying myself so much at the moment. Like, awesome. I, I'm just, I'm loving it, man. You know, cool. I, I'm, I'm loving meeting new people you know, talking to guys like yourselves, you know, I mean, you know, having, having what you're doing, this is fucking awesome for the industry. I can tell you, mm. right. Because there's, you know, this is bringing a positive spin to what a lot of restaurateurs or a lot of chefs um, are doing mm. rather than, you know, again, going back to getting caned for something that, you know, is crazy. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> especially from people that have never actually operated a, a business yeah, exactly. in their life. Yeah, mm. you know, you, you, they're waiting for their paycheck at the end of the month, and yeah. everything's dandy. Mate, I don't know how many times you've gone home at the end of the month and not and not taken a dollar, actually put it all back into the business because you're not able to pay your expenses. I can tell you that happens with to me, even today, all the time. Yeah. But we don't cry about it, right? Exactly. That's, that's part of the you game. You get up, you roll up the yeah. sleeves, and you just do it. Yeah, it's yeah. not about that's that. It. Um, Johnny, we've got to get you down to the airport, awesome. mate. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on, for making the trip up here. It's been bloody great to chat to you. We could probably keep going for another um, hour, but we've got to leave it there. Easy. Thank you, Johnny. Thank cool. you. Cheers, Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.